Hey, everyone here at the Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast. We have a great guest with us today. We have uh, Sanjay. She is an investor in, in Texas, in Dallas, Texas. Actually, I was just there. Um, and she has really grown her portfolio. She's done it fast. She's an engineer. We know uh, everyone here at the audience and the audience knows that I like engineers. I'm an engineer as well. And, uh, you know, we love getting their insights and uh, their journey. So, Sonia, thanks for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me, Johnny. It's such a pleasure to be here. Amazing. Amazing. So um, just to, uh, so the people know where you're coming from, I guess, in actual geography, and then also maybe a little bit about your background, share both of those things with the audience, if you would, please. Sure. Uh, my background is in electrical engineering, like a lot of Asian geeks. I was good in math, and so I decided to go into engineering. Arrived here with two suitcases in hand and a nice scholarship so I could attend a private college here in Dallas, Southern Methodist University. And right after that, I got into corporate America doing uh, technical work in electrical engineering, semiconductor industry. And uh, very quickly, I realized that the business folks were telling us engineers what to do. So I decided that I need to increase my business knowledge. And my company was kind enough to pay for my MBA part time. I got my finance, business, et cetera, knowledge. So I moved from the technical side, purely technical side, to a combination of technical and business. Um, then also got quite a bit into the stock market with investor clubs, et cetera. Again, seats numbers and analysis. Uh, went full time to the stock market after having children and then realized I needed a tax shelter in some kind and wanted to get into real estate. Quickly analyzed single family and realized that, OK, I'm not a handy person. I don't want to deal with the 40s, tenants, toilets, trash and termites. Single family margins just didn't seem to be large enough for me to take on a recourse loan and do all of that self-management. And if I outsourced it, then the margins were even less. So I skipped that. And when I heard from a friend about multifamily, large scale multifamily, I attended a weekend seminar and then joined a mentoring program right away, uh, which... Uh, you know, I got my first syndication as a general partner with 86 stores. And I also invested in many deals as a limited partner because of my uh, funds from my ex-corporate life that I had in retirement funds that I was able to roll into a IRA, self-directed IRA to invest. So I do a combination of passive and active investing right now. And my portfolio is all in Dallas, Fort Worth, which is where I've lived for 32 years. And right now I have about... Um, 1,500 doors of assets under management, two full cycles, meaning I bought and I sold them and uh, continuing to look for great deals provided the numbers make sense. Yeah, amazing. What um, that you spoke, and I like to pull on threads as, as we discuss here, Sanjay. So you said that one a colleague or a friend mentioned that, uh, you know, how powerful real estate investing was. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that that is the, I guess, from a, you it sounds like you're motivated from a tax perspective to find something that you know, uh, you know, basically allowed you to pay less taxes. Have you found anything else that compares out there from that from that perspective? And I, the audience is often successful professionals that are intrigued with real estate, and uh, they 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 pull they they like to dig a little bit. Like, so this is truly the best you know tax shelter, tax preservation um, tool out there. So. Uh, explain why why is that powerful and uh, if what kind of research you did to you know kind of ver- validate or verify that. Yeah, for me, it's the depreciation, right? Because if you take advantage of bonus depreciation, accelerated depreciation, the straight line depreciation is you build and you know you depreciate an air conditioner over its life of ten years, you know, ten percent each year. But with the accelerated depreciation, you're able to take all of that in year one due to a Trump, Trump tax law, and especially the last few years. I mean, if I invested 100K in a deal, I was able to take minus 100K or more as a you know loss, K1 loss. And that helped me offset, you know, even in my case, um, actual 
W-2 income of my spouse because I'm a full-time real estate professional. But if you didn't have that case where you're not a qualified real estate professional, you can still use these passive losses to offset passive gains within the same category up to a certain amount. And I'm not an accountant. So you definitely want to check your individual situation with your accountant to see what's the best tax strategy for you in terms of investing. But at a high level, that's the reason why real estate made sense. For sure. I mean, I, I think it's it's powerful to hear from other other professionals, uh, you know, what your motivation and your thought line of thinking was, you know, of course, like you said, we're not giving legal or tax advice here on the show, but also you can just hear, you know, how you uh, came up to it. You looked at it, reviewed it and just, it came mm-hmm. to a conclusion. So I think that's, you know, pretty important here. Yeah. I had a consult with my accountant and he told me exactly what I needed to be doing to qualify. It's like 750 hours of active asset management work, et cetera. So right. we made sure we understood the process before we planned around it. Yeah, let's uh, so let's go into uh, something a difference. And you spent uh, sounds like you had a an, ex, an amazing life. And actually, would like to talk about actually um, semiconductor uh, manufacturing and that whole thing as well because mm-hmm. it's kind of exploding around the country. But yep. uh, what what difference have you seen um, between the tech and real estate industries? That I guess similarities and differences. Uh, what what have you seen? Obviously, there's corporate, and then but then also we we know that real estate uh, running these large apartment complexes is also a, a business so what mm-hmm. differences and what kind of things have you uh leveraged from your corporate life that you've really been found applicable in the, in the new domain i think a profit and loss statement is pretty much the same right you know what's an income statement you know what's a balance sheet those things don't differ just the business name is different there we're producing i don't know the semiconductor chips that go into your you know phone here you're you know, looking at a business and looking at your collections and occupancy and all of those kind of things. So those are the similarities. Another one is basic project management skills, right? So when you want to run a project like in terms of multifamily, doing a lot of CapEx, executing your business plan, it's very similar to executing a business plan in the corporate world as well. You know, you first have a design phase and then you go and do prototype testing and then you go launch it. So same way here, you know, you go in there, you have a business plan, you acquire the property, and then you start executing on the plan. So you see the rewards of it, right? You see the ROI come back to you from every strategy you want to execute. Um, The differences, of course, are like you're a little more closer to the real world in real estate. So if there's a problem with tenants, et cetera, the city is mad, the lender is mad, et cetera, you're more in the line of fire, if you will, versus the corporate world kind of insulates you a little bit from that. But at the same time, with corporate, you may not have as much flexibility of your schedule. If there's a critical meeting, your customer's coming into town, you don't get a choice. Sorry, it's your kid's birthday or you had planned a vacation too bad. Things change. you got to hop on a plane, et cetera. Versus here, you get a little more flexibility, at least in multifamily, because uh, when it comes to large multifamily, I always have partners to cover me so I can plan my vacations, tell them ahead of time and they can cover for me. So um, I definitely have a lot more freedom of time and flexibility, which is what led me to this, because I wanted to have a bigger impact on my children's lives before they you know, fly out of the nest. Yes. And that was a big piece of it. Also, just having a lifestyle that you want to do the things you want to do when you want to do it. It's a gorgeous day. Well, maybe you want to go out and enjoy the outdoors a little more. And so, you know, I go visit properties instead of being, you know, in front of a computer all day. So there's a lot of um, plus and minus to both. Um, we call the corporate world as the golden handcuffs because they reward you well. You have stock options. Um, and you know, if your business unit is doing well, you're sort of secure with a job versus yeah. with real estate, you have the fluctuations, right? The deal doesn't do well. You're going to have to go work really hard to turn it around because it involves other people's money in my case. 
for the extreme. I mean, there's a, the, the accountability piece is so much more mm-hmm. immediate and uh, mm-hmm. intimate, if you would. Mm-hmm. And yep. the, the feedback, the feedback cycle, essentially, mm-hmm. like you, like you said, is, you know, you're insulated in the corporate world, mm-hmm. not always, mm-hmm. but often, you know, it's a longer mm-hmm. lead lag time. And then it's like mm-hmm. very, very close and immediate to the, to the action uh, in, in yep. the real estate space. Yep. <clears throat> uh, so let's, uh, can take one step into that further. Uh, let's talk about your, how the risk analysis that you saw in corporate. And then of course the risk analysis or risk philosophy that you have within the real estate space. So in corporate, the risk strategy is always a matter of having enough slack in your schedule and truly understanding in terms of design, what are the chances your designer is taking when they design a circuit and how much margins they leave with every little thing because yeah. prototype versus production, when you want to make 10,000s and hundreds of thousands of the same chip, for manufacturing, you've got to have a lot more loose uh, parameters for every little uh, spec just because from lot to lot it varies when you manufacture that. Versus here in terms of real estate, the risks are, your biggest risk is always going to be you know, planning for disasters, right? So when you have a fire, et cetera, um, do you have enough cushion of capital to plan for disasters? But on a day-to-day basis, when you underwrite a deal, do you have a specific quote from your lender that you plug into your analyzer rather than thinking, oh, 60 days from today, this is the rate I'm going to get versus, okay, today I have a rate lock, right? Like Freddie allows you to do that. Um, every analyzer number you put into a spreadsheet needs to be verified by a third party. So what do I mean by that? Who's going to run your property for you? The property management company, right? right? Did they give you expenses? Did they say that your business plan, I'm going to do $10,000 in interiors, and I think I'm going to get a $150 upgrade. Did they confirm that? What are the market rents? Did they confirm that? And what are you hoping to achieve by executing your business plan? Is your sources of other income realistic? Um, what about taxes and insurance? Like in Texas, your property taxes make a huge difference. So you right. want to get a property tax for a test company to give you those numbers for the next two to three years. Oh, that county is going aggressively after taxes. So you need to plan for this much of an increase by 2024. So things like that. Insurance, you want to have a quote and you want to look at, okay, what are the factors in Dallas versus Houston that's going to increase your insurance rates and how much should you plan for? So are you in the coastal area? Do you, even if you're in the middle of Dallas, maybe there's a creek running by and you have more buildings in the floodplain, right? So what are the loss claims they've made in the last few years? All of those things factor into that. So the more detailed analysis you can do up front and the more experience you have in that location, in that market, or you ask the advice of somebody who has that, like your property management company, the, yeah. the, you know, those are all the ways you mitigate risk. Okay. So the kind of the philosophy then is um, minutia is getting just as much analysis data and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on the ground ex- experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. also, like you said, third, uh, you know, mm-hmm. someone that is not seeing things through your lens, you know, maybe that's biased yeah. that has been staring at that same spreadsheet for four days. And they're not like yeah. trying to like fudge the numbers as we all do eventually uh-huh. nobody realize it. So all those yeah. things are really, really important. Um, so what about, uh, what about kind of like black swan events, Sanjay, you know, you have, you know, what COVID popped up, what is, uh, again, we're kind of digging into the philosophy and this is where it gets a little more abstract, uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of where sometimes I like to play in. And that mm-hmm. is what is obviously, cause like, you know, not, not obviously, but like you said, you listed all those things and like, it's very, it could be very detailed, but we know in the real world with that's evolving, we have the influence of technology constantly pushing on the, on the boundaries of everything that we do. And then just, you know, uh, unknown, unexpected events like COVID. What is your uh, what is your philosophy on those kinds of events? Um, maybe maybe it's already kind of summed up in what you just said, 
but if could you share, do you have anything else additional to share there? So I bring my, interestingly enough, a PTA mom's perspective into everything that I do, which is community oh, I like that. building. Yeah. So I do a lot of community activities at my property. So we were already doing that. Like we did a free Thanksgiving turkey and we did Halloween costume contest, et cetera, kind of things. So when COVID struck, what did we do? We couldn't quite do as many things in person, like a picnic, et cetera. But we handed goodie bags filled with things hard to find, like sanitizer, toilet paper, et cetera. If you remember back around April, May 2020. So yeah. we did that and we hung that on the door of every resident with a little cheerful note and said, yeah. you know, let's do more community activities online. And then uh, we had the costume contest, for example, online. We had, uh, you know, if you paid your rent on time by this day, you rented your drawing for a gift card. Um, we, then we had a big truck pull up with a movie screen and we had people set out their lawn chairs, socially distanced to watch a movie. So we continued our community building activities through covid And what that did for us is when people lost their jobs and couldn't pay, they already had a relationship established with our on-site. So they were able to discuss that freely and get their help to fill out applications. So we had an 86-store property with only one tenant we had to evict eventually because of non-paying rent. Because even though he got these checks from the government, he used them to buy big screen TVs and a brand new truck that we could see in the parking lot rather than paying his rent. Everybody else. It's hard to hide that giant that giant chimney truck. (laughs) Exactly. Or even the delivery of a large TV like that when everybody's like, uh yeah. So that was interesting. And so the big thing that came out of that was in a 27-month period of holding that deal from you know August 2019 to November 2021, we were able to give amazing returns to our investors. One, the cap rate compression definitely helped, but also our property was humming along just fine through a disaster like COVID. And so the crux of it is that when you build a community and you treat your residents like the customers that they are to you, and you focus on customer service and building that cul-de-sac feel, if you will, uh, then your a lot of your problems go away because you really want that retention. So now in 2023, during these not so um, you know interesting economic times, you could, again, focus on renewals and retention, and that'll reduce your turn costs. You don't have to worry about spending so much on upgrades. You could just offer them maybe a free appliance or something and have the same residence stay, uh, which will cost you a thousand bucks versus the turn cost of more than 5,000 bucks at least for a what? $30, $40 rent bump difference? may not be worth it, right? Over even a 12 month period. So do that ROI analysis, especially if you have a deal on bridge where your cost containment is gonna be the most important thing. Awesome. And if I just could summarize, I mean, obviously that was incredible uh, nuggets that you just dropped, you know, so freely there, but also if I could summarize that, so we have, you know, we have this, this idea we have, of course, this, you know, um, exhaustive, uh, presumably checklist of, 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 uh, of things to look at when you're getting into a property. And then of course, when it's running, but also I heard you say that, you know, basically kind of setting a foundation from the human, the human perspective, the human foundation, mm-hmm. then yeah. you can deal, um, as far as, you know, anything that, that, uh, mm-hmm. society can yeah. throw at us will right. be you can that that's kind of the bridge to get beyond these unexpected events whether it's you know a flood a hurricane a pandemic mm-hmm. or something we haven't even thought of yet what like because we know this is the people business at the end of the day and if they all left of course the business would just shut down so how right. can you ultimately you know connect with those people and do something that's you know that's basically at the emotional level then mm-hmm. you have a then you have something you can like well at the very least my my tenants don't hate me and you can go Correct. you can work you can work together on that so that's I, I love that i love that so much uh so let's pivoting away from kind of the direct uh direct uh 
relationship and management of properties, asset management, property management of your properties and, and all the other amazing things you laid out here. Let's pivot towards uh, another uh, perhaps successful professionals, tech professionals, and you know could be in mm-hmm. engineering or mm-hmm. finance or whatever, and then they want to step into the real estate game or participate in that. What are some um, what are some what are a couple of tips that you would give people you know, when they consider which path to go, either like full time real estate or passive, and what are some of the things they need to prepare to uh, even consider going from into that fork in the road. I always say education is number one. So get educated, whether you're going to be passive or active, get all the education you can, but give yourself also a deadline. Say that within 30 days, I'm going to get all my questions answered. So list those questions and say how you're going to get them answered. Just like, let's say you lost your job. How are you going to go about your job search, right? You put an Excel together, you list all your questions, you figure out how you're going to get those answers, who's going to help you with those answers. And there's a deadline. And so by the end, deadline comes up 30 days from today, you know whether or not you're going to get into it. That's number one. The number two is, it's just like I use this analogy of passenger in a plane. Before you're going to go pilot a plane, try to ride a plane first as a passenger. And that's passive investing. Then be a co-pilot, which is, you know, a co-GP. And then you be the lead GP. You be the pilot of your plane. So that's the way I would recommend someone who already has a full-time job to do is to slowly dabble their feet, not quite get rid of that full-time job till you're sure that this hobby or this real estate venture can fully pay for and financially keep you going. Uh, so then you can replace it. So I and would that's, say, baby, And that's what you did, Sanjay. I mean, just, yeah. you're, this recommendation is not just like hypothetical. This, this is what you did. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I was full-time in the stock market already. Um, yes. And so from that, and then I had a spouse with a full-time job. And uh, we lived a pretty simple life without a, too many expensive luxuries, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty easy to dabble. Only, only, only one, only one plane. Yeah, no, <laughs> no <kidding>. planes. Coach <laughs> class, uh, Southwest, peanuts, those kind of lifestyles, you know. <laughs> but uh, the big one is that I used my retirement funds for investing passively, which is yes. money that I had not counted on needing anytime soon. So the illiquid nature of real estate wasn't a problem because we were planning for our retirement funds to be illiquid anyway. So if you've worked for a previous employer, you have that money sitting somewhere, you could consider taking a portion of that into real estate. And that way, I think it's less risky in terms of it's not affecting your lifestyle immediately. That's amazing. So then uh, just to recap that, so, you know, successful professionals are they considering going into either passively or actively or semi-actively into real estate. And then, uh, and then of course, you said like, you know, put that timeline on it. Uh, get educated, get, educa- get educated, put a timeline in it. So you don't just have this, you know, like a year of analysis and thinking Correct. about it, like, Hey, like get it done right. here. Use, use a smart mm-hmm. method or whatever kind of other technique. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like you said, uh, a fairly low risk way of addressing that, that next step, maybe you don't have the money set aside, or maybe you do, but a fairly low risk is to match illiquid with illiquid. So we know real estate is not super liquid, but also mm-hmm. we know that our 401ks and uh, perhaps your IRA is also, is also not real liquid and you can't really access, mm-hmm. access that. But through the right um, tools and programs and, and companies out there, you can actually, you know, turn that, become your own uh, self, you can self-direct that and then turn that into real estate. So I love that strategy, that approach and kind of that step, step-by-step uh, methodology that you've laid out there. Yeah. The other couple of things I would say is if you're going to invest passively, get to know the operator really well, get right. to know their track record, just like when you're hiring a contractor, um, get references of people who've done exactly that before. So from prior passive investors, that's super important. And uh, if you're planning to get active, don't go active yet until you truly um, have a good experience with this partnership as a you know passive investor first. Um, right. And then uh, invest passively in the market that you're interested in. 
Yeah, talk to, talk to us real quick, Sonia, about how you say get to know them. What are give us four, yeah, three, give us three three steps that you've done to get to really get to really get acquainted with somebody. We know in business or this kind of this kind of engagement, it's kind of a marriage, you know, in a in a kind of a frivolous sense, but also it's really important, and you're really working closely with these people. So give us three tips on how you've uncovered and and uh, flushed out whether this relationship, uh, any anyone that you're in right now, will work. I'm sure you've it's learned like a lot dating. of things too. Yes. An yes. easy one is to lurk somebody in social media, right? And yeah. so you pick a two or three people that you're hearing a lot about and start following them on social media. See if you like the way they post, see if you like their philosophies. Maybe they've been on podcasts, et cetera. That's an easy way. Yeah. Uh, and then usually people like to brag also every now and then in social media. <laughs> so they'll post the name of their deal, et cetera. So now you have their resume. You have the names of five properties. Now ask for a reference of a passive investor from those properties and then see if that makes sense and then schedule a call with them. And if possible, like for me on my first ever passive deal where I had to fork yeah. over that kind of money, I met the uh, the general partner and I went with him to the property and it was local to my area. So for me, I needed both of those. I needed to see the property for myself. I needed to understand his business plan, et cetera. So the conversation was much longer, but yeah. And they probably shook their, shook their hand and uh, you met the person, you met the property yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, you start developing, uh, you know, if, if possible, or if it's to be a level of trust, that's all this mm -hmm. is built on, on trust or, or the lack of it. And we know that's going to, mm -hmm. you know, converge or diverge uh, on, on the relationship. Yeah. I think references are key. And so if you get referred by somebody else, that's the best way to screen someone. After you've Absolutely. done all your lurking and social media checking, do you like the tone of their voice? Do you like their philosophies? Do you like what they do? Are they always bragging? Are they helpful, et cetera? Yeah. And, I, and I'd add to that that piece, um, sometimes uh, make sure the person that you're recommending, because we have different kinds of friends, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes uh, if, you're, if your friend it perhaps is mm -hmm. such a different philosophy and outlook on life, they may be fine with the kind of re re uh, response that they get from the GP, the general partner, and the way they communicate, the way they respond, the way they engage. However, you want to make sure that the advice that you're accepting is someone that is of a similar outlook and philosophy to you. Because I've had people recommend things to me. I'm sure this has happened to you in times. Uh, and yeah. also it's like, it's like, like this, like whatever the thing you recommended, like I, like this is not flowing with me here. So yeah. again, just make sure that you're, you're matching, you have similar perspective from that a friend that recommended whatever it is to you. And that way you can truly, you won't be surprised, you know, what is disappointment? Just ex when expectation doesn't meet, you know, with what, you know, what the outcome is or the, the yeah. response is. I've invested passively in 26 deals. So I've got a lot of lessons learned. So if <laughs> anyone wants to get a hold of my uh, checklist to vet a sponsorship team, I'll be happy to share that. That's amazing. You can that's find amazing. me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest platform where I post a lot. As uh, as two people that probably follow the tech space a lot, we're both in real estate, but also we're both probably techie people. What do you see? Uh, this is kind of an off the wall question, but it's it's relevant. You know, what do you see uh, as uh, challenges from the uh, technology space influencing uh, property management and even acquisitions, Sanjay? I'd love to get your perspective on those two things. So, so acquisition, I'll start with acquisitions, and then also property management. How does how is tech going to influence that or change that or whatever? Just give kind of give us some high level thoughts or some things you're saying really help us automate a lot of things, right? When you go to like a physical due diligence, as an example, you could have everything automated and you could have a nice matrix at the end of it to say, this is why the is unit C2's condition versus unit B5, you know? So the more automated you can make these things, the less, uh, I guess you have room for error, human error. So whether it's payment systems, it's software for you to add, quickly look at the analytics of your property and hone in on just the problems, et cetera. I think like technology, obviously I'm a big proponent of technology. I think it's going to make a 
huge difference. You're already, whatever you're seeing in your Mercedes is eventually coming down to your Corolla, right? It's the same thing. What you're seeing in A-class communities in terms of smart technology packages, et cetera, is going to slowly dwindle down even to your C-class, right? The things you used to take for granted um, only in very fancy places like A-class is coming down. So smart thermostats is coming down, smart locks, um, et cetera, right? So I see technology as a very good thing when it comes to apartments. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I was working with a company, um, Pineapple, and they have this, uh, they were they were, they really trying to actually streamline it where in, they didn't have a lot of, uh, it was basically self-touring technology and they really tried to simplify it. You know, we both know that there's a, there's a downside of tech where it gets, can get so sophisticated or so complicated. You have an app and a Wi-Fi and a program and a lock and all this, you know, all these connected, mm-hmm. every time you add components exponentially, you know, the risk mm-hmm. of something going wrong, you know, it increases, mm-hmm. you know, dramatically. However, if you can simplify it and use tech. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of simplified tech. And, uh, you know, so it's robust. That's kind of a huge thing because uh, we know when uh, you get too fancy out there, uh, things break, uh, things are easy to, it's hard to maintain, but also to your, to your point, And I love that is the scalability and the, um, efficiencies that can be gained from implementing tech the right way, whether it's a class, which we see a lot of, if you're touring and know about those kinds of properties. And like you said, it kind of, it's trickling down into the B and C class and then leveraging and allowing property managers and asset managers. Uh, high levels of efficiency to run those properties more efficiently. So at the end of the day, we're trying to run them more efficiently and for less cost and give the uh, customers, the tenants, a better experience. Yeah, I mean, we're in early February right now and we've had three days of an ice storm in Dallas. So let's say you're an investor sitting in New York wondering about a property in Dallas. You yeah. can just pull the app on your camera and say, it's all my camera systems working, yeah. all the lights on. Okay, then I know there wasn't a power outage. And I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly what movement is going on in my property. And let's say there was something going on two days ago. You could go zoom in and look back at that, you know, replay that camera footage and see what exactly was the problem. That's, so that's, a great, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point here. Also, I think that's a good wrap here, Sonia. So thank you for sharing, for uh, giving us your knowledge. And uh, obviously, uh, we love the Dallas market. It's an amazing market. There's so much activity going on there. So it's awesome that you're there and and uh, allowing uh, people like us to to participate you know, in your knowledge of you know, vicariously um, through your knowledge in that really, really hot market. So that's, that's amazing. Uh, how do people get in contact with you? And do you have anything that you'd like to share? podcast, book, property, invest with you, like all that stuff, like share. Yeah, I'd love, love for you to yeah. give a chance to share that. Thank you. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. That's a platform where I post the most. My yes. website is engineered-capital.com. I love that. I saw, I was, I was like, pull it up before we got on. Like, oh, that's, I like that, that name. That's my website. <laughs> and also recently I was co-author for a book that's now oh. a number one Amazon bestseller across 31 categories. Nice. It's called Next Level Your Life. So yeah. if you just search for Next Level Your Life on Amazon, um, you get a lot of free bonuses. We'd really appreciate your support. It's a lot of inspiring stories by some incredible people. Kyle Wilson, who's a Jim Rohn um, fan. Yeah. Uh, Z- Tom Ziegler. There's, uh, and there's a lot of great authors and inspiring stories. So, uh, illustrious uh, company. Next level your life. Yeah, I-, I love that. Okay, everyone here at the Investing Stuff We Should Know podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode. This has been a really fun, exciting episode with an amazing investor, uh, successful professional and all these different things. So uh, that's, uh, you know, really, it's really blessed to have you join us here, Sanjay. So until next time, uh, everyone, we're signing off and be sure to give us a like, a follow, a comment, uh, either on our YouTube or our podcast channel. So until next time, Sanjay, thank you. Thank you so much.